Okay, Psalm 11, verse 1, hallelujah. Verse 1 says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Verse 2, For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot or privately shoot at, an up, at the upright heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his temple, and the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, yes, his eyelids try the children of men, and the Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked of him that loveth violence, the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. So when we look at this scripture, I want to keep going, though. i got to read all the way down to verse 7 at least. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous, verse 7, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. So we see the beginning of the psalm that he tells us, you know, we need, just as, as the writer says, I put my trust in the Lord. Who do we put our trust in? We might say we put our trust in the Lord, but do we really? We need to examine ourselves. Do I really put my full faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I really trust Father God, the creator of all heaven and earth, with my life, with my family's lives, with my finances? Do I really put my trust in the Lord? Or do I look to some financial institution? Do I look to the bank? Do I look to the stock market? Do I look at you know, my sales this weekend? I go and have a sale somewhere. Do I look at, at um, I used to be in business for myself. Do I put my trust in my, in my own abilities to be really a good salesperson and do all the right things? Do I put my trust in my husband? Do I put my trust in my children? And where is my confidence? Do I trust my dog to protect me? Or do I really, truly trust God above everything else? Amen? Amen. Our trust has to be in God. Everything else will fail. Amen. Everything else will pass away. But God and his word will stand forever. Hallelujah. So that was just our precursor, our getting our uh, appetite wet for the word of God tonight. That we're going to put our full faith and trust in the Lord. Last week we talked about salvation. If you, if you got saved, if you've given your life to the Lord, you, that moment you had to put and believe. You had to trust and have faith that God is God and he is who he says he is. That he has the power to save you from hell. That he has power to save you from the second death. That he had power to raise you up from the spiritual deadness that you were in and make you into a new creature. Create a new heart in you and recreate you into a new creature that you must be born again. Amen? That was trust. If you were saved, you had trust then. If you gave your life to the Lord, you had to trust him with your life. So we continue in that. We continue to trust. We must continue to re remind ourselves. Our, we live in a fleshly body. We live in this old flesh house. We have a human mind. And so it's important, the Bible tells us, to renew our minds daily. To crucify our flesh daily. To renew even the spirit of our mind. To do those things, we, why must we do it every single day? I got saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. No, 
Yes, you are saved, but we need to renew our mind. We need to remember who we are. My mom used to tell me every time I left the house to go somewhere, remember whose kid you are. As Christians, we need to remind ourselves a lot. I am a child of God. I am a kingdom heir. I know who I am. Amen? That's, who we, that's how we need to remind ourselves before we go to work or before we go out the, out the front door. Even really before your feet hit the ground in the morning. Praise the Lord, I'm a child of God. You know, we need to thank God for the morning. You need to thank God for who he is. Praise him, give him glory, and thank him that you are a child of God. You're serving notice on the devil, you know, but we don't want to address him. We want to address God, amen? We want to talk to God. We're not talking to the devil. We're going to talk to God, amen? amen? So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't see yourself. You see a child of God. You see a man or a woman of God. You see someone who Jesus died for. Our little girl used to sing a song, um, Someone Jesus died for, yes, that's me. <laughs> I forgot how it goes, but you know, we need to know. And I, you, know, you want your children to know that Jesus died for them. What are you going to do about that? Jesus died for me. Am I just going to go around mully grubbing and being depressed or sad and wandering you know, through my life? Or am I going to live my life for Jesus and walk this victorious life that he gave me? He said that he came that we might have life and life more abundantly. And yet we go around saying that we, you know, we have to be downtrodden and fought all the time. God gives us favor, does he not? Amen. Jesus gives us his protection. He covers us with his blood. He makes a way where there seems no way. If his eye is on the sparrow... And, and it is, then how much more does he care for you? Hmm. Turn with me to the book of Acts. That's where I'm supposed to be. Acts chapter 16, I think it is. Sister and I had a little Bible study earlier. It's my... I'm pretty excited about those scriptures too. <laughs> but what the Lord had led me to tonight for this evening is um, Acts chapter 16. I believe it was 16. Yes, in verse, um, we read this last week, verse 28. So this was where Paul and Silas were in prison, and the, uh, the Lord had sent an earthquake, and the earthquake caused the, the, the prison doors to open. The Lord opened the prison doors where Paul and Silas were being held in prison for preaching the gospel, for speaking the name of Jesus Christ. And even their, their bands, their stocks, those iron bands on their arms and wrists had come loose. And so what the prisoner, the prison keeper, the watcher, the watchman there in the jail, the jailer, was about to kill himself because he knew 
that they were going to torture him and kill him if the prisoners got away. So we're going to pick up in verse 28. But about that time, Paul cried with a loud voice, verse 28, Do thyself no harm, for we all are here. For he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. <clears throat> and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he had, they had heard, he, this man had heard the gospel, and then he saw the power of God. It is through power and demonstration many times. God uses that so that people will see the power of God. They'll, they'll see the might and the love that he has. And it changes them, and they want to be saved. And here, this is what happened with the jailer. And he says, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31, they answered and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and he was baptized and he and all of his straight away. A couple of things that I want to bring out that we didn't bring out last week, and that is for all the household, we believe for all of our household, amen? And when Paul and Silas said, if you, if, if, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, he's, he's saying that that same invitation is extended to you and to your household. Amen? So this is a big deal. This was a really big deal because what kind of jailer was this? Was he a Hebrew? Was he a Jew? No. He was not. He was what we would call a heathen. He was from a heathen nation. And so Paul is letting him know that it's not just for us. It's not just for the Jews. Paul had been a Pharisee. He had studied all the scrolls and all these things, and it was well known what kind of person Paul had been in his background. So he was letting them know it's not just for you because you happen to be here and you, know, you had something to do with us getting set free from, from prison even though he didn't. <laughs> but he's letting him know that it's for you and all of your household, everyone that will, whosoever will, Jesus said. That's what he's letting him know. It's not just that, that it's some kind of thing that just, you know, oh, you got saved, now your whole house is saved. No, my, for instance, I like to use my husband and myself as examples that way we're not calling up our kids and stuff like that. <laughs> but when Larry got saved, I did not get saved. Amen? I was still a heathen. I was still lost and undone. And without God and his son, I was just as lost as could be. But the next week I got saved. <laughs> Praise God. Amen? But it could have been, you know, in other cases, sometimes it's years before the, the other spouse comes to salvation. Sometimes it's the children that get saved first. And maybe it's weeks or months or years before the parents get saved. Amen? So it's not, it's not like that. But it is an invitation that is extended to your family, to you and your household also. Amen? Amen. So what did they have to do to be saved was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about that before we go on to another scripture. And that is that it says there and other places that we believe on him. And I want to ask you, you know, in today's society and the way that the things are said and the way that we use our language, the American English 
We say things like, um, just believe. And you see people everywhere, no matter what they believe in, they have your bumper stickers that say believe. They might have a t-shirt that says believe. You don't know what they believe in, right? And so you can say believe on the Lord, in the Lord. Do you believe in the Lord? Oh yeah, I believe. When I was lost and dying, if I died, I was going to hell. If you had asked me, do you believe that Jesus came and gave his life? I would say, yeah, I believe God's only son came and gave his life that we could be saved. Yeah, I believe that. I believe in Jesus. I believe it was even posed to me. I think this young, this young man on the front, you asked me, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, oh yeah, I do. He said, well, what about your grandparents? I said, oh yeah. They, they believe in Jesus? They believe in God? He said, no, something's not right. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how he said it, but you let me know. We were both sinners at that time. He said, something's not right. You don't really believe on, Je on the Lord Jesus Christ because if you did, you wouldn't live your life the way you do. Your grandparents wouldn't live their lives the way they do. That's not the way a Christian conducts themselves. And I thought, what is he talking about? I had never heard such things. Nobody ever told me this. Sinner witness into a sinner. <laughs> but the Lord used that to get me thinking, even back then, as a young person, I began to think. People said, do you believe in Santa Claus? We tell our children, we don't, we don't, we do not. People out there tell their children, believe in Santa Claus. It's the spirit of Christmas. Believe in the Easter Bunny. Just believe. Trust. Do believe. you believe in the tooth fairy? Oh, no, we don't like fairies. <laughs> they say, you know, some people pick and choose what paganism they're going to participate in. But, they, but beyond that, we go around telling our kids to believe in things that don't exist. Amen? What does that do when we say, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? You just brought it all down to a really confusing level for a child. That they can believe in Jesus, they can believe in the Tooth Fairy, they can believe in the Easter Bunny, they can believe in the Headless Horseman, they can believe in witchcraft, they can believe in Harry Potter, they can believe in whatever they choose to believe in. Because why? Now, look, America, wake up, look what you've done to this whole entire generation after generation of telling children to believe in something that does not exist. Amen? But if you look carefully at the old King James language, he says, believe on. Amen? Let me see. I already turned my page away from there. I want to go back to it, make sure I'm telling you the right thing. Acts chapter 16. Yes, verse 31. See, I want to set my eyes on it. I want your eyes on it. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that in Acts 31? Acts 16.31, yes. Acts 16.31, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That means you cast all of your cares on him. That means you believe, you put your whole, full faith and confidence and trust and believe on him. He, they, how would they do it? They were bringing a goat, a, a goat, right? A, yes, they were bringing a goat and they would put all their sins, like something that represented the sins on the, 
The flow? Yeah. On the, the flow of the land? No. No. On the good. There's a steep good. What were they putting on it? They write it. I just lost the flow. They would put something on it, and the, the priest would lay hands on that goat, and he would it symbolically put all of the sins of the people on that goat. This was a, a different section. And they would send that goat out into the wilderness. That's what you call a scapegoat. Jesus became our scapegoat. We don't talk about that often. We, usually, we always talk about the Lamb of God and how he was sacrificed for us, which is all true. He gave his life symbolically in, in, in place of every lamb that ever would ever have to have been sacrificed again, but he did it in place of you so that you could be free. And so when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our everything on him. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, God allowed all the sins of the world, everything, Pure and spotless. Jesus never, ever sinned. If you see something on cable TV or whatever kind of television you might be watching that says that Jesus sinned or that Jesus had relations with a woman or did these things that are not in the Bible, do not believe them. Jesus was spotless, sinless, and perfect. He was holy. He had to be, and he was, so that he could take on all of those sins. Could you imagine all the sins of the world, everything that ever happened, and everything that ever would be piled upon you as a pure and spotless person? You know how it is when you're really clean and something dirty gets on you, you're really upset, or you, did, you didn't do something, and somebody accuses you something of some horrible, vile sin, how bad that feels? And our Lord and Savior took it all for us and took it to the cross. Never sinned. He didn't deserve any of it, but he took it. And the Bible says he took it as the joy that was set before him. He took it with joy. So when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it means that we put all of it on him. We put all of our trust on him. It's not some figment of our imagination, something we just say, well, I believe in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus, but you must believe on him. Do you understand? It's that moment that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning that you can't do it yourself, you can't save yourself, nobody else can save you. Only God's only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He is the only one. Okay, there was another verse. Well, maybe it wasn't. So, when we think of, I just want you to, catch that because as, as I was meditating on what to preach this week and what to bring forth this week, that's what I heard. Believe on. And I was like, the, the word on is really big and highlighted and underlined. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt, you shalt be saved. Shalt is another definitive word that you will be saved when you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. There are lots of prayers out there and pamphlets and teachings of how to be saved. And they say, well, you got to admit that you're a sinner. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ and confess your sins. And then they tell you to go out and tell somebody. Right? 
ABCs. They'd be called the ABCs of Christianity. But the truth of the matter is it's a heart matter. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of what, when you believed on the, G, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that moment you were saved. That because all of those things happen even within that and so much more. You realize that you were a sinner. You admitted it. Maybe you didn't stand up and say, hey, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. But when you came to Jesus, you admitted to him that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? You, and when you came to him, you, you're believing on him. You come to him and you believe on him. You throw yourself upon the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't express how beautiful it is to come and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you begin to confess. Do you have to sit there and go through confessional, go inside of a little booth or go through some, some sort of rituals or some sort of thing where you say you know, so many Hail Marys and, and give so much to the church or do these, these penance things? No. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It is by grace, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are saved by grace. Amen. Unto good works. Amen. All right. Now, I believe where I was going to read tonight after that was in the book of James as well. And uh, verse 1. So the back, all the way back, sister, to the book of James. Uh, we were reading there earlier before, before the rest of you came in. James chapter 1. All of this goes together. It all ties in together what the Lord is showing us and how he's teaching us. And as I said last week, even though you have already given your life to the Lord, even though you're saved, and we were talking about this even before service, that, or at the beginning of service, that we need to understand that even throughout, that throughout your life, no, we don't go around professing that I am a sinner. I am not a sinner. Amen? I was a sinner. I was vile. I was dirty. I was lost and undone. Way down. He reached way down for me. But when he did, he picked me up and he cleaned me up and he washed me off. Amen. And washed me in his precious blood. He put his kingly clothes. He put clothes from the, the best closet in the kingdom. He clothed me. He washed me. He cleansed me. And now I am saved by grace. Yes. What then? Do we continue in sin? God forbid. That is what the scripture says. Verbatim. What then? Do we continue in sin? God forbid. It is not his will. He didn't save you so, you can so that you can continue in sin. He didn't save you so that you can dabble in sin. The book of James is really close to the end of the Bible, really close to the back, um, right after the book of Hebrews. He saved us so that we can represent him. He saved us so that we can be with him. He saved us so that we could come back into right standing with God the Father like it was in the Garden of Eden, only better. Because now we have the Holy Ghost indwelling us. If you have received the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2, if you have not received the Holy Ghost, go read Acts chapter 2 and learn. Learn what is God's will for your life. Learn some more about it. 
James chapter 1. Yes, chapter 1. And then we're going to pick up in... Um, Verse 17. Well, no, you know what? The perfect, perfect place to pick up is uh, verse 14. But every man, so James chapter 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So now, you know, people are getting, got saved. Maybe you led somebody to the Lord this week. Maybe, maybe this week you're going to lead somebody to the Lord. And then a couple of days later or weeks later, they're going to say, you know, I'm really being tried this thing keeps you know calling my name i keep wanting to go back there's something in me that, that keeps trying to tempt me and i don't want to go back but it, it keeps tempting me and i don't want to and it's there and i don't want it so so james addresses that and he says but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed so it's important that we recognize what is our own lust what you might lust after might be something different from what someone else might lust after you might have absolutely zero desire to go watch horror movies, for example. And someone else, that might have been their lifestyle. That might have been just the way they did things. They, they grew up in it. It was kind of a rush in this, or maybe they thought it was funny. And it's kind of hard for them to get away from that. But I tell you, if you recognize what your own lust is and what the things that the devil used in your life, then you've got a hand up on it. And what do you do? You replace that with time in the Lord. Get yourself in a church. Get yourself in a, the house of God. Get yourself some Christian music. Take the music that you have and get rid of it. Get it out of your house. Clean it out of your digital devices. Delete, delete, delete. And download some good Christian music. Ask your pastor or ask your best friends, your Christian friends, what kind of Christian music do you listen to? Get some stuff into your mind so that it's good stuff coming in. Input is output. So you want to put good stuff in. Hear good things. Read good things. Get rid of your Bible, the books you used to read. I know people that are addicted to reading. They love to read. And they have books and books and books and books. But what is the benefit of reading smut? What is the benefit of reading murder mysteries? What is the benefit of reading all sorts of stuff that doesn't edify and build you up in Christ. Because i got something to tell you. You're eternal. You are eternal being. You've been born again. And as a born again Christian, you're going to live eternally with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the plan. That's the goal. That's where we're wanting to go, right? We've got our sights set on going to live with Jesus for all eternity. And as sinners, they're going the other way. And so we, we, we're supposed to be set apart. God said, be ye holy for I am holy. He is set apart, and we must also be set apart. I've called you out from among them to be a separated people, he says. So we don't go back into the world and pick up the same old things we used to do. We don't get up off of, the, off of our knees or away from the altar and go back out to the world and do the same stuff. Those things become strangely dim to us. They're no longer attractive to us as born-again believers. So when you're talking to someone who's struggling and they say that they're being tempted and they're having trouble, let them know that you're, you're, you're tempted when you are drawn away of your own lust and enticed. So if you would just recognize what it is that can draw you away and entice you, 
recognize it and cut it off. Cut it off. It can be like gangrene. If you don't cut it off, you've got to cut it off. Root it up. Dig it out. Get rid of it. Get rid of the roots. Nowadays, I like to call things triggers. This triggered me and caused me to react this way. That triggered me and caused me to act this way. You have the ability to control yourself, I hope. It is the fruit of the Spirit, yes. So if you are saved and sanctified and you feel with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost brings the fruit of the Spirit into your life, amen? And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So we don't get to be triggered anymore. You just have to get rid of that excuse. Amen? Amen. So now you say, okay, now I realize these things used to trigger me in my old life. This is what used to make me so angry and I would just fly off the handle. What is it? Nip it in the bud. Get rid of it. Cut it off. Recognize it. Sister and I were saying when you begin to hear that thing and say something's beginning to entice you, you say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. You begin to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Or begin to sing, amazing grace. Or just say the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus set me free. Jesus is my king. I will not turn back. I'm not going back there. He brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I am a child of the light and I will walk in the light. Begin to teach people how to profess the word of God over themselves. Begin to know what the Word of God says. The more you read the Word, the more you go through there and you find good stuff and what my old pastor's wife used to call nuggets, highlight them. Highlight it. Write it down. Stick it on your bulletin board. Stick it on your front of your telephone. Stick it over the, over the, on the refrigerator. Put Scripture where you can see it and read it and remind yourself of who you are and who He is. Okay, verse 15, <laughs> verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15. Then when the lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Spiritual death. It can also result in physical death and eternal separation from God. That is not what you want, amen? I hope. So we see that what we, when we recognize these things that we might lust after and we cut them off, replace them with good things. Take out the bad and replace it with good. Godly. When I say good, I mean godly things. Do not err, verse 16, my beloved brethren. Don't, don't, don't make no mistake. <laughs> make no mistake, my beloved brethren, that might say, do not err, my beloved brethren. Verse 17, Every good and perfect gift, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What are we supposed to be quick to hear? Hear the word of God. And then first and foremost, be, be quick to hear God's voice. Be quick to hear the word of God. 
Be quick to listen to your brother and sister. Be quick to listen to what your spouse is saying. Amen? I'm not thinking I'm just going to... I just have to bear here. Be, 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 be quick to listen to what your, your cousins are saying. Be quick to listen to what the cash register person is saying. Because we so often, we're all we hear is what we're thinking. And we're not listening to what they're really saying. We're not really seeing the situation they're going through. So if we're quick to hear, there'll be lots more, less wrath and lot less anger and lots less confusion. So we must be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I, this, is, this is the way that I believe the Lord was leading us to do tonight, to follow up. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So we get angry, we become wrathful. That is not of God. That's not his plan. That's not the way he wants it done. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. Again, James is talking to born again Christians. And he's letting us know that, you know, it's not over. We got to keep on keeping on. We don't, we don't, you don't just get saved once and then you're done. You keep on. I don't say you get saved over and over again. But you keep on committing your life to the Lord. Keep on believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You keep on doing it. The things that God tells you to do. You keep on walking in righteousness. Wherefore lay apart. Verse 21 again. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. And superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness. The engrafted word. Which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. So don't just hear the word week in and week out. Don't just hear it on the radio. Don't just hear it when you come to church. Don't just hear it when you read it out loud to yourself. But be doers of it also. Become a student of the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So that when you read the word, you know there's another verse in the Bible that sounds a lot like that. When you read the word, you'll say, oh yeah, I remember when... Paul said, said it's something similar to that. Go look it up. Oh, I remember in the book of Genesis, it says this. You know, go look it up where God spoke to maybe Adam and said the same thing that you're maybe reading about over here in the New Testament. You begin to see how it's alive and it all comes together. And you won't it be as easily deceived. As sheep, sheep, sometimes they get confused. And that's why you have shepherds. That's why you have someone, there's a hierarchy, the way God set things up. And that's why. It's because when we're young and the Lord, we need someone to help direct us. We need a teacher. We need a pastor. We need somebody to bring a fresh word of God to help us to grow in the Lord. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself and then he goes away and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues, continues therein, 
he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man sh shall be blessed indeed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. What does that mean? It means he's going through rituals, he's doing all these things, but he can't even bridle his own tongue. They might show up, they might bring the tithes and the offerings, they might work in the church, they might cut the grass, they might do this and this and that. They might want to sing and lead worship and whatnot, but the fruit that they're bearing is not godly. That they can't even bridle their tongue. That the words you, that come out of their mouth, sometimes you, you, you hear them say things that are not godly. You hear them say things that are hateful towards their spouse. You might hear them say things that are you would never imagine to hear a worship leader or a pastor or someone who is a worker in the church say. You would say that person's religion is in vain. For something to be in vain is like it's burnt up. Their works are burnt up. So verse 27 goes on to say, But pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So he says, basically, let me just put it down to the, the words where, I, um, where we quoted earlier, where the Lord God himself said, Be ye holy as I am holy. That to be a born-again Christian means that we walk as Jesus walked, that's what another, another writer, I believe it might have been Paul, said that you ought to walk as Jesus walked. If you say that you believe in Jesus Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you ought to walk like Jesus walked. You ought to do the things that Jesus did and live your life as Jesus did. When you go on, you continue to read down through the book of James, you begin to see where it says that you, you will continue, like we just read a, a little piece of it, you continue in your faith, you continue in this walk, you continue with the Lord. And on that day, on that day when Jesus comes, that your salvation shall be made complete. I'm going to give you homework to read the book of James. <laughs> but um, as you read and you begin to study it, you'll see that it's not the way that so many people teach it. That you just get saved, you just call it call, call for the name of the Lord Jesus and you're saved. And now you don't have anything else to worry about. You don't have to worry. He's got you. He said he'll go with you to the end. But you have to hold on. You have to continue. You have to seek the Lord. Amen? Amen. Following, if, if you've ever followed my husband through the park, or national park or something, you know you got to keep your eyes on him. He might be six foot four, but he can disappear behind a little pile of bushes back there somewhere, and you don't even know you just walk right past him, or in Walmart. <laughs> you you got to keep your eyes on him. And that's the way it is with Jesus. we got to keep our eyes on him. We have to keep our eyes on the goal. We have to hear what the Lord is saying. He said, David said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God directs us. The Holy Ghost empowers us. He leads us and guides us in all truth and righteousness. 
We need to walk as Jesus walked. And that would be embracing the full gospel. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Everything that the Bible says. Applying it rightly. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we praise you tonight, this evening, Lord. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you, God, how you're teaching us as a body here, Lord, as, as, and empowering us. You're equipping the saints that when they go out, they're not just taking out a tract. They're not just going out and just saying, you know what, Jesus loves you, but that it's so much more and that they're equipped to give and to answer rightly so. God, your word tells us to do this, to be able to give answer for the faith that we have, to be able to give answer and to be able to lead people and show them what is the right way to go. So how can they learn unless they have a teacher? So Father, we just thank you, Father God. We thank you, God. How can we know? How can, how can we go unless we be sent? How can we hear the word unless you send pre preachers and teachers to teach us, Lord? How can we build new churches and have new works happening unless the God you send apostles, Father? Lord, have your will and your way in each and every one of us. Equip us, God, to do your work. How can the church stay functioning lest you send people who will function within the church, within the fivefold ministry? How can we do anything lest we be saved? We can do nothing without you, Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for freedom and life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' holy name. God, we want to just lift up every single one of our family here. Lord, all of our 